has been so worshipful just sitting back and hearing this huge chorus of voices singing glory to God. That's been a joy. I hope it has been for you as well. Will you pray with me? Father, we ask in these moments for you to do something that only you can do. That you would open our eyes, that you would reveal to us the glory of God the Son, his person, his finished work. Open our eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us hearts to respond. Help us to understand your word and to find nourishment, to, to, to feast on it, to take it into our hearts and our very being and to believe every word that you have spoken. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Tim Hawkins talks about good advice too late. Good advice too late. Uh, for example, what, let, me, let me explain what that means. So uh, I, I thought about trying to illustrate this. Even though we have multiple medical professionals here today, I didn't want to actually do it. So but let's say I, I tripped on my way up here, right, okay, because all the cords. And so I'm, I'm falled, I'm on the ground, uh, you know, nursing a bad ankle. Uh, so more business for uh, University of Utah uh, Farmington Health Center. And uh, I maybe have a concussion as well. And the worship leader cries out, hey, Charles, be careful. That's good advice too late. Good advice too late. Well, today I'm going to give you some good advice for Christmas shopping too late. Three words of good advice for Christmas shopping too late. I suppose there is still time after this service to do your some shopping. The mall is open until 5 p.m., if that is, helps anyone. But otherwise, you're going to just need to save this advice for next year. Good advice, too late, number one. Two words you need to look out for when you're buying presents. Two words to consider before you make that purchase. Assembly required. <laughs> Beware. Purchases that say assembly required. Several Christmases ago, we got our daughter her first bike, and we got a really good price on it. We, uh, we thought we had found a deal. What we found was junk. Part of the bike broke just in the process of assembling it. And I truly believe, I truly believe that that was due to the inferior quality of the bike and not the incompetence of the dad assembling the bike. Many years have passed since that day that will live in infamy. My daughter has grown and recently it was time to buy her a bigger bike. So what did we do? No online ordering. Nothing coming in pieces in a box disassembled. No. My wife and I went to the store. We took a bike off the rack we wheeled it to the checkout and out the door. Done. No assembly required. That is winning. That's my first piece of Christmas shopping advice. You're welcome. I share this and these other two insights for a greater reason, however. 
as much as I would like to help you in your Christmas shopping next year, what is the real gift of Christmas? Jesus. Yes, all right, thank you. Pastor Mike got it right. Thank you. It's Jesus. But what kind of gift is Jesus? Is he an assembly required gift? Or is he a no assembly required? There are two things we need, we who are sinful. If if we who are sinful are going to enjoy being in the very presence of God forever, there are two things that are necessary to make that possible. Forgiveness and righteousness. First off, we need forgiveness. We owe a debt that cannot be paid. I was having an interesting conversation with a woman on a plane. That is, you can get into some really interesting conversations on an airplane. And uh, she told me, she's like, well, Jesus would never send anyone to hell. And I was like, that's really interesting because everything, most of what I know about hell came from the lips of Jesus. Um, Have you read your Bible? Jesus described hell as the place where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. In other words, it's a place of suffering that goes on forever and ever. Why does hell go on forever? God is just. He's never going to punish someone more than they deserve. So if hell goes on forever, it indicates that we owe a debt that cannot be paid. To illustrate that, let's just think of three things. Words, hatred, lust. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they have spoken. Now that should terrify you to think of a perfect running list of everything you've said that was thoughtless, hurtful, malicious, gossip, hateful, spiteful, prideful. We'd all be condemned right there. But let's also then consider hatred. The Apostle John said in his epistle to 1 John, he said, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life. That God sees hatred in our hearts as murder. Okay, strike number two. What about, and then what about lust? Jesus said, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And, and this is just a, a little bit of what God's commands are. We haven't even looked at the two greatest commandments, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love our neighbor, which is every single person we come into contact with, with as ourself. By God's righteous standard, we are guilty. And the amazing thing about this debt that we couldn't pay is that Jesus paid that debt for those who trust in him. Jesus paid an unpayable debt. That's incredible. The prophet Isaiah that we love to read at Christmas time, speaking about the Christ, the Messiah, what he would go through so we might be forgiven, said he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Here's how the Apostle Peter described what Jesus did. He said, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. 
forgiveness, having all of your sins, past, present, and future, all of your sins wiped clean in a moment, in an instant, is wonderful. I remember when I was a teenager and I realized how I had sinned against God and offended Him and just falling to my knees at my, by my bed and crying out to God. And it just felt like if you could put forgiveness in liquid form, it just felt like God was pouring that over me in that moment. And I knew, I knew that I had received forgiveness from God. But forgiveness is not enough. We need more than that. Because the second thing we need is righteousness. You see, forgiveness brings you to a place of, of moral neutrality. You are now in a moral neutral state. You're like Adam and Eve before they fell. You haven't done anything wrong, but you haven't done anything good. And, and if we're going to receive God's approval, we need righteousness. And here's what the Apostle Paul says about righteousness. In Romans chapter 5, he says, For if, because of one man's trespass, that's referring to Adam, he says, Death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Did you catch what Paul said about righteousness? He says it's a free gift. You get righteousness, not by earning it, but by receiving it as a free gift. You get righteousness not by working for it, not by deserving it, but by believing, trusting in Jesus. 1 Corinthians says, Because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Christ Jesus became to us righteousness from God. So we have guilt that needs to be taken away, and we need righteousness that needs to be achieved, and Jesus has accomplished both of those for us. He has done it all. No assembly required. The fact that Jesus has done it all leads directly to my next word of Christmas shopping advice. Good advice, too late. Number two, don't get an inferior imitation. Don't get an inferior imitation. A bike is a bike, right? Wrong. I, I believe, talking with a friend, that the standard kid's bike is a Huffy Brike, okay, the name brand Huffy. I don't own stock in Huffy. They're not endorsing this message. I'm just saying, to the best of my limited knowledge, the bike you're supposed to get your kid is a Huffy bike. But you know what brand we got our daughter? Not a Huffy brand bike. I don't know what brand it was. I think it was like generic from China, like the, the no-name knockoff bike. I have no idea. I don't think it even had a brand. Uh, it was a cheap imitation and that's why it failed so we have to ask at Christmas do you have the real Jesus the Jesus of the Bible there are many religions and groups in the world that claim the name of Jesus and would even honor say they honor Jesus but the same name doesn't mean the same person 
The angel said in Luke chapter 10, the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel in his pronouncement here really hones in on who Jesus is, who the real Jesus is. He's Savior, he's Christ, he's Lord. And I just want to unpack those three words very briefly with you. First off, he's a savior. God didn't send an instructor. He didn't send an example. He didn't send someone to uh, coach us on how to get it right. He sent us a savior. And do you know what a savior does? He saves. He rescues. No assembly required. The angel said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural birth. This is a virgin birth. The real Jesus comes from this immaculate conception. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. What a beautiful and amazing thing that in all this, there is no assembly required. Jesus has done it all. Jesus, as Savior, doesn't give us a plan of salvation. He gives us salvation. He doesn't give us a way to pay off our sins. He, gives, he pays our sins for us. He doesn't give us the opportunity to achieve righteousness. He gives us righteousness. That's an amazing Christmas gift. He's Savior. He's Christ. Christ uh, in the New Testament. The New Testament was written in Greek. Old Testament was written in Hebrew, a little bit in Aramaic. Uh, in, in the New Testament, uh, the word Christ it comes from the Greek word Christos. And it's the, it's the Greek equivalent of the Hebrew word Messiah. So Christ, Messiah are interchangeable words. That he's Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the, the anointed one that has been prophesied ever since Genesis 3. That when it first said, there's coming the seed of the woman who's going to, to bruise the serpent. And all the prophecies leading up, as Isaiah says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That that Jesus is the long-awaited Christ, the Messiah, and the Messiah is God. He's not just like some sort of superhuman he is fully human yet fully god god in the flesh emmanuel god with us and he's lord uh and and we we don't hear that term probably in the right way as the first century audience would in scripture uh in the new testament again uh written in greek when the new testament quotes the old testament there's many places uh you'll notice in your old testament bible uh where the word Lord is in all capital letters. And anytime you see that, the, they're trying to clue you in that the, the, the Hebrew behind that, that's the personal name of God uh, that we would say is, is Yahweh or sometimes said Jehovah. We actually don't know how to pronounce it because in the original Hebrew it was four consonants. And they dropped the vowels. Um, for a long time the Jews would not even pronounce the name of God. 
uh, because the, uh, out of reverence that he was so holy, he did not want to misuse his name. But Yahweh is our best guess at how to pronounce that. And whenever Yahweh is referenced in an Old Testament scripture passage, when it is quoted in the New Testament, the word they use is the, the Greek word kurios, which is Lord, which translated Lord. And so when it's saying Lord, I think this is a direct reference to the Old Testament saying Jesus is Yahweh. He's the God who revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush who said, who revealed his name as I am, I, I am who I say that I am. I am who I am. I am Yahweh. That's Jesus. So I have to ask you, do you have the real Jesus? Or do you have the Jesus of the Bible? Born of a virgin, fully God, fully human. Good advice number three. Too late. Good advice, too late. Don't wait until it's too late. To my shame, I'm a little embarrassed to even tell you this, but I waited that, that fateful Christmas. I waited until after my kids had gone to bed on Christmas Eve to attempt assembling my daughter's bike. That was a fail. Which means that when the bike broke and I discovered what poor quality it was, there was nothing I could do. It was too late. The stores were all closed. There was no drone delivery back then. And so the next morning, we had to present our daughter with a bike that did not work. Like, I was able to, we were able to cobble it together so it could, like, look like a bike assembled, but it was not functional. You could not ride it. And all we could say was, Merry Christmas, we're going to get you a bike, but that's not it. <laughs> and we're going to, you're going to have to wait. I waited until the last minute, and it was too late. And that's a reminder to us that Jesus' return will catch the world by surprise. I can tell you when Jesus is coming back. Soon. That's what he said. Look at the end of Revelation. He said, behold, I am coming soon. He told his disciples that he would come like a thief in the night, catching people off guard. We don't know when he will return. We don't know when it will be too late. But this is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6. It says, behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. None of us knows how much time we have left. There are people this past year that we lost that aren't here with us this, this, this afternoon. That were with us a year ago. Today is the only day. So this moment is the only moment we have for certain. If you have not received the free gift of righteousness, of forgiveness, of Jesus, you can today. You receive him by faith as a gift. You come to that place of recognizing nothing that I've said or done can ever be good enough to earn heaven. That when we sing, oh come, you unfaithful, that's for me. That he's the offering. That we come with nothing. It's a band, Shane and Shane, that have an album called Bring Your Nothing. I love that. I love that, that phrase. Bring your nothing. 
It's Jesus plus nothing, and that equals everything. That equals life. But if it's Jesus plus something, you lose what Jesus has done. That's the mystery of the math of the gospel, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus something equals nothing. You have to take him 100%, relying on him and his righteousness and not your own. If you want to know more about that free gift, we'd love to share our story of how we came to know and experience God's forgiveness and and righteousness. Pastor Ron, Pastor Mike, and I will be available up here after the service. We'd be honored to talk with you. Before we sing Silent Night, the worship team is going to come forward, and they're going to give us a moment just to reflect, how has God spoken to you through his word tonight? The greatest gift you could ever receive is not going to be found under your Christmas tree tomorrow morning. Forgiveness and righteousness are free gifts to be received by faith. No assembly required. The real Jesus is no assembly required. He has paid for all our sins. He has provided perfect righteousness. Receive the gift this Christmas.